Hello, I'm Emma. And I'm Kiara. Welcome to All Girls Considered. A podcast dedicated to telling the stories of inspiring women and girls. Today we are speaking with Ava Monroe, a high school sophomore who is the executive director of the Cure Campaign, which aims to increase the national cancer research budget through passing legislation and raising awareness. Welcome, Ava. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, So I'm 15 years old, and like you said, I'm the executive director of the Cure Campaign. I'm a high school sophomore at LaGuardia High School, which is a performing arts school, and I'm a drama major there. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about what the Cure Campaign is and how it got started? Of course. So the Cure Campaign is a 501c4 nonprofit. Uh, which aims to increase the national cancer research budget from $5 billion to $20 billion through passing legislation. And I basically started it through obviously wanting to make a change because I'm the daughter of a breast cancer survivor. And I knew that I wanted to do something, whether that was going to be raising awareness or talking to other kids who had lost a parent who have a parent who has cancer And I knew I just wanted to make cancer something that we talk about as a society. And through reaching out to fellow members of the activism community, uh, I ended up incorporating and filing for a 501c4 uh, nonprofit so that I could begin this campaign. And I got my friends involved and I got kids who I knew cared about it. And we all got together in a room and we figured out what we wanted to do. We made a game plan, and here we are. That's awesome. You said a 501c4. What is that? (laughs) So it's a type of nonprofit, which basically means that we aren't lobbying, or we are politically, uh, we're politically motivated. However, like, whereas a 501c3, you're not supposed to be politically active at all. Because we are trying to pass legislation, we are politically motivated, and that's the main reason we're a 501c4 versus a 501c3. It's just the legality behind being a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Who is all involved in your CURE campaign team? Yeah, so uh, before I started the CURE, I was um, a part of the activism community in New York City, and I met so many incredible people while being a part of some of the organizations I was a part of before, before the cure. And I basically got the people I trusted the most together in a room saying, Hey guys, I want to do something about the lack of cancer research funding in America. Will you guys help me figure something out? And they were all like, yeah. And so I got a lot of activism friends involved. And then I got some of my best friends from school involved too. And we've just been working together ever since. How does it work? Can you tell us about the process you all go about your goal of raising the cancer research budget? Of course. So right now we're working on developing legislation with a few politicians. We have meetings lined up with Kristen Gillibrand, and, uh, who is a New York congressperson, and uh, Sylvia Matthews Burwell, who is the former head of Health and Human Services. And so we really are just work- wanting to develop legislation not looking at politicians as Democrats or Republicans, but as people who care. And we want Democrats and Republicans working on this project because cancer isn't something that discriminates. It's something that affects everyone, and it's a human problem. 
And so we want humans who have power to work on it with us. And so we have meetings every other Monday and we work on calling offices. We work on, you know, helping, giving back to our local community, et cetera, et cetera. That's really cool. What are some of the goals of the CURE campaign? Uh, We have so many goals, but, uh, you know, besides actually passing legislation, um, we want to start a, an initiative in health classes across America where kids start learning about early detection and, you know, like uh, self, self tests and going to get mammograms, going to get colonoscopies and knowing that cancer is something that affects so many people and we should be educating our youth about it. So that's, we have one kind of educational thing. We also have a inspiring youth advocacy tab on our website and that basically is a whole movement in which we want kids of generation z to start writing articles about cancer research or personal experience or a certain doctor or hospital they'd like to highlight just kind of showing like look this is something kids care about showing politicians and showing america kids are taking time out of their day to write essays and do research on cancer and that this is just as prevalent of an issue as the gun control movement or the LGBTQA plus movement, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's really just trying to make that point that we care and we want something to change. Uh, we also kind of have that whole, uh, we have a whole movement on, uh, we want to start doing it. We want to do a rally. Uh, we want to have a step-by-step process for nationwide branches. We want to have a merchandise line, which half of the individual profits go to local cancer research centers we have really cool partnerships and press coming up. We have, uh, there's so many things. <laughs> Do you have any regulations or requirements on what stories go into the inspiring youth advocacy section? No, honestly, just as long as it pertains to something revolving around cancer research, is we'll edit it and it'll be it'll be published. Where would you like to see the Cure campaign going and doing in the future? That's such a big question. (laughs) Um, I mean, hopefully we're in schools across America. We're on national news. We're in, we're in the hearts and minds of politicians and we're on the floor. We're on the floor of the house and the Senate, just trying to get our bill passed. I mean, that's, that's the end goal, getting a bill passed and actually allocating funds to increase the national cancer research budget. That's really cool. (laughs) How long has the CURE campaign been going on? So I officially incorporated in July, so last summer. And I I got a team involved around September. And we officially launched October 30th, which is the day my mom found out she had cancer. So officially since October 30th, but it's been in the working since July. When you were starting the Cure campaign, did you or anyone around you have any doubts? Oh, for sure. (laughs) I'm such a perfectionist. I want everything to be the way I want it. I want everything to be organized and nice and clean and neat. And, 
also being a normal kid, in addition to kind of running this nonprofit, I have homework and I have tests and I have a swim meet or lines to memorize. And there were definitely a few times where I got so overwhelmed. My mom was like, I'm pulling the plug on this. You can't handle this all. You're 15 years old. There's absolutely no way that you are, you can handle both of these things because it's like having a full-time job in addition to going to school. And there were times where I had to take breaks and I had to hand it to my uh, coworkers and my team and say, you guys, I need you to do this. I obviously don't have the mindset to do it right now. I don't have the time to do it right now. And that's why I'm so lucky to have such an incredible team because they're, they're, they really are the backbone of this entire nonprofit. And not only are they the backbone, they're the faces of this nonprofit. And so, yeah, there's, uh, there's been many times where I've been so overwhelmed by the whole project and everything I have to do and where my mom has been like, (laughs) you need to chill out. (laughs) How have you been able to balance the awesome responsibilities the CURE campaign has with being a high school student? Well, like I said, I mean, it's really the team. In the beginning, uh, I tried to do everything by myself. I tried to, you know, write my certificate of incorporation all by myself. And I'm in no means, in no way a lawyer. So it was very difficult. But um, eventually I realized that I needed people I could trust. I needed people I could count on. And I needed new ideas and new opinions and people to counterbalance what I thought was the right way. And that's how I found literally my, just the most incredible team. And I have no words to have what an incredible, what an incredible group of human beings the cure team is. And I'm so excited for it to grow and for it to, you know, have an impact on America. That's really cool. Was the release date on the Cure campaign a coincidence, or did you mean to, like? Release, oh no, it was it was intentional. It? Okay. Uh, yeah, it was uh, the whole. Well, originally, the Cure was just going to be a one-time event uh, in honor of my mom. That I just kind of wanted to get everyone we know and love into one room together, and just to celebrate her life and how strong she is, and how incredible it is that she was able to survive. And I was in the car one day with my stepdad and and the cure by Lady Gaga came on and he was like, that would be a really great name for a cancer research organization. And I was like, wait, (laughs) wait, what if if we decided to make, you know, instead of having it a one-time event, make it kind of like a whole nonprofit? Like what if, and it would just evolve into what it is today. I mean, with the help of not only my stepdad, but with the team members and the people who I talked to about it and the entire New York City activism community, honestly. And it just kind of blossomed from this one night idea into this entire nationwide campaign. Wow. Do you have any cool stories about the impact that the Cure campaign has had? Yeah. So uh, at our on our launch, uh, I made a little impromptu speech that wasn't so impromptu. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely planned to say something and I had written something out and I had sort of kind of memorized it, but I got up there and I, I decided that I had to speak from the heart. And so I asked everyone in the room to close their eyes and raise their hand if they knew someone who has or had or has died from cancer. And every single hand shot up. And when they all opened their eyes, they looked around and they were like, wow. And it's just that moment where you don't you for you forget how prevalent cancer is in our society, and we forget how it really does affect everyone. And in our choppy political climates, having something 
that can unite America, that can give America a common enemy. That's a, that's a, you know, progressive common enemy cancer, something we can fight against, something we can defeat. That's going to have a good outcome was the most powerful thing. And seeing people, seeing people come to that realization, being like, wow, we are all connected through something that's so awful, but we all have the power to change that if we work with the cure or if we allocate funds or if we pass legislation. And that's, that's the goal. That's the dream. Wow. What are, what would you say to girls who are listening, who have an idea and want to make a difference, but aren't sure where or how to start? I would say share your ideas, bounce them off of your parents, off of your teachers, off of your friends. They are going to be the people who love you the most, and they're going to be the people who are most honest with you. Also, if you if you have ideas, that means that you're a creative person and that you're someone who can do something. And don't ever let anybody tell you differently, whether it's because of the color of your skin or your gender or your religion. If you have your heart set on something, I have no faith. I have absolutely no doubt that you can do it. Uh, I just think we have to remember that your heart is your strongest factor. And it sounds cheesy and it sounds like a cliche. But really, if you believe in what you're doing, that's the most important thing. That's really cool. What are some of the first people that you told about your idea on the Cure campaign? Uh, Obviously, I talked to my parents and uh, especially my stepdad, who was an activist himself uh, and is an activist himself. And it was really him and I who really came up with the idea in the first place. And then it was with my friends and with my team members and my and the rest of the activist community who I kind of bounced ideas off of think what if this worked what if that worked you know what other activism things have you done so uh I was on New York City Says Enough which is a uh, gun control and uh education nonprofit, and I was on communication there so I really learned how to talk to people and how to be in a nonprofit, and how to work in the activism community. And I'm also the current vice president of a online voter registration platform called Vote2000, which is powered by Do Something, which is also something that I'm so passionate about, uh, just the idea of voting. And I think it's really powerful in this day and age to be a part of nonpartisan movements because it's so, so easy to take a side and it's so easy to be like, oh, I don't, I don't like you because you believe this and I'm right because I believe this. And I think promoting intersectionality and just being tolerant of everyone in their opinions and actually encouraging people to share their opinions, even if they're unpopular in the polls, is always going to be an incredible, incredible movement to be a part of. So earlier you said that your stepdad was an activist. What exactly do activists do? Activists use whatever platform they have to speak up for what they believe in. Uh, And I was so lucky to have been born in New York City and to have been born to two parents who encouraged me to believe whatever I want to believe and to voice those opinions, but also to listen to other people. And I think using that privilege and using that platform that I was born with for good and to voice my opinion and to have control of a crowd and, and to never give up and to keep fighting no matter what, no matter how many people tell me no, that's what it means to be an activist. 
It's really cool. Um, we noticed on your Instagram that you travel a lot. Are there any places you have gone that inspired your influence or influenced yeah. the Cure campaign? Yeah, so um, I actually just recently got back from summiting Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, Africa. And we did that in honor of my mom's five-year cancerversary, as she calls it. And that was just such, such an incredible experience, not only to see Tanzanian culture, but to do something that's so physically challenging, uh, you know, as a testament to my mom's both emotional and physical strength. And to just go through that with her and to be by her side is a celebration, but to also be so physically exerting or just to exert so much. And it was such a, an incredible bonding experience with my family and with my mom. And it really impacted the way that I feel so, so, so lucky to live in a country where I have the ability to be an activist. I have the ability to voice my opinion. I have the ability to utilize my education and do the things and change the system that I was born into that I, the at least the things I don't agree with. <laughs> That's amazing. What people, experiences, or ideas motivate you and influence your decisions? Well, I have an, a slightly disturbing obsession with Meryl Streep. I think she is just such an incredible actress and human being who hasn't been tainted by the whole, the whole mess that is politics, that is society, that is America. I think she is stayed true to her morals and has stayed true to her presence as an actress and as a human being. So I think she's an incredible person that I look up to so highly. Um, And activist-wise, I think Malala Yousafzai is one of the bravest women I've ever had. I've had the opportunity to meet her at UN councils, and I think that she is just one of the bravest, most intelligent, most heartwarming people I've ever met and I and that I've ever had the opportunity to read about or to to read her own personal novel she's someone who astounds me every day and there are so many more people those are just the two that come to my mind yeah what moments have shaped your life or influenced the cure campaign well when I was 10 my mom walked into our apartment and we all sat my family she sat my family down and all seven of us were sitting on the couch and my mom basically told us that she had cancer and that she was diagnosed. And when she, when she walked into that room, I had absolutely no idea that someone as beautiful and strong and healthy as my mom would ever be diagnosed with this ugly disease. And it, it just seemed impossible that someone like her could have something like that. And I remember crying and crying and thinking, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to her? What did she do? But I, I was one of the lucky ones. I still have my mom. I, she survived. And I really started the cure for the little girls who, whose moms didn't make it and who weren't as lucky as I was. And I can't imagine what it would have been like had I lost my mom at 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40. I mean, losing your mom at any age is so difficult. Losing your dad, losing your friend. And that's what cancer does. It tears, it tears families apart. It, it breaks friendships and it ruins lives. And I think in, in our, in our medical world today, there's absolutely no way that I'm sure we have the technology to cure cancer. And I think it's the lack of funding that especially America, you know, we, we don't fund cancer enough. We don't fund cancer research enough. 
And I truly believe that if we pass legislation increasing the National Cancer Research Budget, that we will find a cure to cancer. How did you cope as a 10-year-old finding out that your mother had cancer? So I really, I've always been a reader. I've always loved books. And so I really dove into writing and none of it, none of it was good, but it was very much from the heart and a lot of poetry actually. And it wasn't until I I went into high school that I kind of remembered I had such a love for that. And now I'm, I'm really into spoken word and spoken word competitions, but I think my my love for writing uh, was originally a coping mechanism. And to this day, you can ask any one of my friends, I carry a journal around everywhere just to write down what I'm feeling or a thought or, you know, a reminder. And I think it's one of, it doesn't work for everyone, but for me, it's the most incredible gift to be able to have papers and pencils and be able to write down what I'm feeling because it really does preserve my sanity. So one of the last questions we would like to ask is this. What other life advice do you have for girls listening to this podcast? My mom always tells me this, and it's difficult advice to follow, but it is something that I think everybody should live by. It's better to be kind than to be right. And for someone who likes to consider herself an intellect... (laughs) At a 15, um, it's hard to, it's hard not to be right. And it's hard to not be that person who wants to defend what she thinks and to defend everything she says. But sometimes when you're kind and you give another person an opportunity to speak or you hold your tongue, you'll learn something that you wouldn't have learned otherwise. And I think that's what life is all about, learning and educating yourself and furthering yourself as a person. And the only way to do that is to be kind. Well, it's probably time to wrap things up. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us. We hope you have a great day, and we hope our conversation has been inspiring to some of our listeners. I know it has been for me. This is Kiara. And Emma. From From All Girls Girls Considered, Considered, signing off. off.